please subscribe and leave a review of Dorky wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can support the pod if you'd like. You can use PayPal or buy me a coffee. There are links to both methods on Dorky's website and in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. Before the episode, let me tell you about an amazing online boutique that I just know you're going to love. Save Boutique, that's spelled S-A-I-V, is a great place for clothes, accessories, and shoes. One of the great things about Save is that it's size inclusive. Most items Save offers are available in sizes from small to 3X, and they're looking into ways to offer even more sizing options. They also drop new items every week, so there are always new things to choose from. They even offer three buy now, pay later options. Shop Pay, Klarna, and Afterpay. One last thing, they're offering a discount to DoorKey listeners. Just enter the code DOORKEY, that's D-O-O-R-K-E-Y, all caps, no spaces, for a 10% discount. I even put a link to Save Boutique in the description notes of this episode that will take you directly there and automatically apply the discount at checkout. So check out the amazing clothes, accessories, and shoes Save Boutique, that's S-A-I-V Boutique.com, has to offer. You'll be so glad you did. Hello, this is Dorky. I'm your host, April. This is a podcast about history. I'm going to be discussing events, people, and sometimes just random things from history that interest me and are important. I am absolutely not a historian. I'm just a dork who spends a lot of time watching, reading, listening to anything I can get my hands on about history. And I want to talk about it. I think a lot can be learned from looking into the past, and I'd like to share what I've learned, and my opinion about what I've learned. And I hope you enjoy it. Countess Elizabeth Bathory was a Hungarian noblewoman from the family of Bathory, who owned land in the Kingdom of Hungary, now Hungary, Slovakia. Elizabeth's uncle was King of Poland, and her nephew was Prince of Transylvania. So, when this high-status woman and four of her servants were arrested in 1609, it was a really big deal. Then, word got out what the arrests were for. Elizabeth and her servants were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of girls and women. The servants were executed, and Elizabeth was kept prisoner in her castle for the rest of her life. So, what exactly happened there? I'm going to start at the very beginning. Elizabeth was born in 1560. Her father was Baron George VI Bathory, while her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory. She had several siblings. Her older brother, Stephen Bathory, served as a Judge Royal of Hungary. Born into a family of nobility, Elizabeth had a lot of privilege. She had wealth, education, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek, and held a prominent social rank. In 1573, Elizabeth was engaged to Count Lorenz Nadesti, who was the son of a baron. 
They got married two years later at the palace of Verano nad Toplo, Verano in Hungarian. This marriage caused their land ownership in both Transylvania and the Kingdom of Hungary to be combined. Nadesti's wedding gift to Bathory was his household, Castle of Chida, situated in the Little Carpathians near Vag Olhe and Trencian, which is present-day Nove Mesto, Nad Valhom, and Trencian, Slovakia. The castle had been bought by his mother in 1569 and given to Nadaste, who transferred it to Elizabeth, together with the Chida country house and 17 adjacent villages. After the wedding, the couple lived in Nadaste's castle at Sarvar. In 1578, three years into their marriage, Nadaste became the chief commander of Hungarian troops, leading them to war against the Ottomans. Elizabeth managed all of the family's multiple estates and business affairs during the war. This role included responsibility for the Hungarian and Slavic people, including providing medical care during the Long War, which lasted until 1606. Elizabeth was also responsible for the defense of her husband's estates, which lay on the route to Vienna. There were several instances reported where Elizabeth intervened on behalf of destitute women, including a woman whose husband was captured by the Ottomans and a woman whose daughter was assaulted. Over their almost 30-year marriage, Elizabeth and Nadaste would have about eight children. I say about because the exact number is unclear. Nadaste died on January 4, 1604, at the age of 48. Although the exact nature of the illness which caused his death is unknown, it seems to have started in 1601 and initially caused debilitating pain in his legs. He never fully recovered and in 1603 became permanently disabled. Before dying, Nadaste entrusted his heirs and widow to George Thurzo, who was a rich, powerful man from a rich, powerful family. Thurzo would eventually be the one to lead the investigation into Elizabeth's crimes. After rumors of Elizabeth's atrocities had spread throughout the kingdom, a Lutheran minister, Istvan Magyari, made complaints against her, both publicly and at the court in Vienna. In 1610, Matthias II assigned Thurzo, who was by then the Palatine of Hungary, which was a representative appointed by the king, to investigate. Thurzo ordered two notaries to collect evidence in March 1610. By October 1610, they had collected 52 witness statements. By 1611, that number had risen to over 300. Elizabeth is said to have been killing daughters of the lesser gentry of the area, who were sent to her home by their parents to learn courtly etiquette. Some witnesses named relatives who died while there. Others reported having seen traces of torture on dead bodies, some of which were buried in graveyards and others in unmarked locations. On December 12, 1610, Nikola VI Zerinsky, who was one of Elizabeth's son-in-laws, confirmed the agreement with Urzo about the imprisonment of Bathory and distribution of the estate. About two weeks later, Thurzo went to Chida Castle and arrested Elizabeth along with four of her servants who were accused of being her accomplices. According to a letter Thurzo wrote to his wife, his unannounced visit found one dead girl and another living girl who was, quote, prey in the castle. But there is no evidence that they asked this girl what had happened to her.
although it is commonly believed that Elizabeth was caught in the act of torture when she was arrested. She was actually just having dinner. Thurzo claimed that he had caught her red-handed, but she was arrested and detained prior to the discovery of the victims. All that being said, it seems most likely that the claim of Thurzo discovering Elizabeth covered in blood isn't actually what happened. Thurzo debated further proceedings with Elizabeth's son, Paul, and two of her sons-in-law. Her family, which ruled Transylvania, tried to avoid the loss of her property, which was at risk of being seized by the crown following such a public scandal. The three men originally planned for Elizabeth to be sent to a nunnery, but as accounts of her actions spread, they decided to keep her under strict house arrest instead. Most of the witnesses that testified said that they had heard the accusations from others, but did not see anything themselves. The servants that confessed did so under torture, which, as we know now, confessions made under torture are just not credible. They were then executed. It was all very brutal, and I won't get into gory details, but I will say that they were burned alive after this torture, and it seems to me that would be a relief to them after what they were put through. One of the servants was considered to be somewhat less guilty, partly because he was young, so he was granted the, air quotes, mercy of being beheaded before his body was burnt on the same pyre as the others. So yeah, brutal. The accusations of murder were based on rumors. There's no document to prove that anyone in the area complained about Elizabeth before the arrest. In this time period, if someone was harmed or someone even stole a chicken, a letter of complaint was written, so you would think there'd be something. The highest number of victims cited during the trial of Elizabeth's accomplices was 650, but this number comes from the statement by a servant girl named Susanna that Elizabeth's court official had seen that figure in one of Elizabeth's private books. The book was never revealed, and this official never mentioned it in his own testimony. On January 25, 1611, Thurzo wrote a letter to the king, Matthias II, letting him know they had captured and confined Elizabeth to her castle. I'm not going to lie, I had never heard of this king, so I looked him up. I found out that he was kind of a big deal. He was Archduke of Austria from 1608 to 1619, King of Hungary and Croatia from 1608 to 1618, King of Bohemia from 1611 to 1617, and Holy Roland Emperor from 1612 to 1619. So, going by the dates, it sounds like Matthias II was Archduke of Austria, King of Hungary and Croatia, and possibly King of Bohemia as well at this time. Thanks, Google. Borzo was also the one who coordinated the political struggle with the Prince of Transylvania. Elizabeth was detained in the castle of Chaita for the remainder of her life, where she died at the age of 54. Thorzo wrote that Elizabeth was locked in a bricked room, but according to other sources, those other sources being written documents from visiting priests in July of 1614, she was able to move freely and unhindered in the castle, so more like house arrest. She wrote a will in which she distributed her estates, lands, and possessions among her children. On the evening of August 20, 1614, Elizabeth complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold. To be told, it's nothing, mistress, just go lie down. 
she went to sleep and was found dead the following morning. She was first buried in the church of Chaita on November 25, 1614, but her body was later moved to her birth home and interred at the Bathory family crypt. According to some sources, this is due to the villagers' uproar over having the countess buried in their cemetery. The location of her body today is unknown, but believed to be buried deep in the church area of the castle, but neither the church or castle bear any markings of her possible grave. After Elizabeth's death, stories about her quickly became part of national folklore. There was even a rumor started that she'd had a secret, illegitimate child when she was 13. The child, said to have been fathered by a peasant boy, was supposedly given away to a local woman who was trusted by the Bathory family. The woman was paid for her actions, and the child was taken away. Of course, evidence of this pregnancy came up long after Elizabeth's death, through rumors spread by the townspeople, so I don't put much stock into them. You may have noticed that I skipped over a lot of the sensational stories, like the ones about her luring young girls to her castle to kill them so she could drink and slash or literally bathe in their blood to retain her youth. This was intentional. I did this because stories describing her, air quotes, vampiric tendencies, like her drinking slash bathing in blood, were mostly recorded years after her death and are considered unreliable. Some say she inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was written in 1897, which sounds good, and there's even a Transylvania connection there, but Bram Stoker's notes on the novel didn't provide any evidence to support this, so this is most likely not the case. The story of Elizabeth Bathory inspired numerous stories during the 18th and 19th centuries, and a lot of them used the blood for youth angle. This legend appeared in print for the first time in 1729 in Laszlo Tragica Historia, the first written account of the Bathory case. The story came into question in 1817 when the witness accounts, which had surfaced in 1765, were published for the first time. They included no references to bloodbaths. Okay, so I've spent all this time debunking a lot of the Elizabeth Bathory story. I think it's pretty clear that I personally don't believe she was a serial killer or a vampire who drank or bathed in blood. So then, why did I choose to tell this story during October, when I'm focusing on spooky, creepy things? The reason is because what I think really happened is actually one of, if not the, scariest things I can imagine. A disclaimer before I continue. What I'm about to say is all wild, irresponsible, non-professional speculation on my part. But it's what seems to make the most sense to me. Elizabeth Bathory owned a lot of land and was a very powerful woman. She owned even more land and became even more powerful when her husband died. I think Elizabeth's fate was unintentionally sealed when her husband asked his friend Thorzo to look after her. This gave Thorzo an opening to make outrageous claims about Elizabeth. He could sideline her and, for lack of a better phrase, take over. It didn't help Elizabeth that Matthias II owed a large debt to her. Side note, a debt that just so happened to be cancelled after she was arrested. 
I did look to see exactly how much money Matthias owed Elizabeth, but wasn't able to find a number. The only thing I could find was the phrase, quote, a large sum. This wasn't the first or only time in history a king has done something, I'll use the word shady, to get out of paying back a debt. Philip IV of France had the Knights Templar killed and disbanded because he owed them money. Another example is Catherine of Aragon was supposed to marry Prince Arthur, and when Arthur died, instead of paying back Catherine's dowry, Henry VII just had his son Henry, the future Henry VIII, marry Catherine so that England could keep the money Spain had sent. Those examples are just off the top of my head. Elizabeth was a rich and powerful widow, but as a widow of her time, she was vulnerable. And I think Thurzo took advantage of that vulnerability and his connections to the king, and they were able to cut her out. And it seems to me some of the other men in her life were in on this too. I think destroying her reputation and keeping her on house arrest for the rest of her life was kind of like that time's equivalent to the trope of calling her mentally ill and sending her away to an insane asylum, like they would do to women who were in the way in the 17 and 1800s. And, unfortunately, there wasn't anything she could do about it. And I think the fact that we're still talking about Elizabeth Bathory and what happened or didn't happen with her 500 years later shows just how effective it was. Some of the sources I used for this episode was Biography.com, Britannica, Forvo, and Wikipedia. So that's it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can reach me at dorkypod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if I left something out or got something wrong. Or let me know if there's something in particular in history you'd like me to talk about. There's also a Facebook group called Dorky Podcast. Join it and be part of our community. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're hearing it. It helps the podcast grow. But more importantly, your feedback will help me make this a better podcast. Until we meet again, friends.